Stand by, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. It's Cup Week in Canterbury. The one we've all been waiting for. When crowds turn out for a flutter and some fun at the races. How lucky are we to be standing by with a packed out crowd for the IRT New Zealand Trotting Cup of 2020. And this year it's needed more than ever. But self-assured won it. Beat Spankin, Ashley Lopez third. It's an all-stars trifecta. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly and today on The Detail, the $1.6 billion racing industry has lost its biggest champion, Winston Peters. So what now for a sector that's had its fair share of setbacks? Hunters say the sport's saddled with a number of problems. There was the historical issues, there was a liquidity crisis. That was exacerbated with COVID. And scandals. 11 people have been arrested and charged with a raft of offences, including race fixing, as part of Operation Inca. It's a scandal that's rocked the sport with details still to emerge about the extent of the allegations. The trainers and punters have spoken of their shock over this. How long do you think it's going to take for this industry to recover from what's happened? A long time, yeah. as it has in the past. And why do we even need a racing minister? Well, here's the answer straight from the horse's mouth, Grant Robertson. The last uh, minister uh, started off a quite significant reform programme for racing and that needs to be completed. It is quite a big job there. Uh, Obviously the government has a direct interest through the racing board so it's different from a lot of other industries where we're not so directly involved. So there's plenty to do in the job. Not everyone thinks we need a dedicated minister though. Sheldon Merthyr is a racing broadcaster, horse owner and driver. I don't think we do now. We probably just need to have it under the Sport and Recreation Minister. It's inflicted on New Zealand from the past. It's a bit like you know, racing in its halcyon days, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Massive. Not so much these days. The racing industry has been very lucky to have a racing minister for the last three years who've, who's uh, basically saved them. Um, and it's not the first time Winston Peters has done that with uh, funding and handouts. New Zealand First leader Winston Peters took the racing portfolio after the 2017 election. As minister, he's delivered millions in benefits to the industry, introducing tax breaks and scrapping betting levies. We're going to make racing great again in our country. Like Kiwi Rail, racing is back on track. Going forward, I don't think it can expect or warrants any support like that in the future. Why? Because what's the industry like at the moment? Well, it's just not as big as it used to be. It doesn't appear to be capable, but it should be capable of looking after itself. It turns over $1.7 billion a year in in wagering. Um, And I think a lot of people in the last five or six years within the racing population have been asking the question, how is it possible for an industry, as it calls itself, can't run itself on that sort of money? And really it's had Winston Peters save it a couple of times since I've been very close to it in terms of broadcasting and and financial participation. He saved it a couple of times. And the question that I ask often is, why did it need a $70 million bailout this time? It was partway through a seriously reformed programme. Then COVID-19 arrived. So you're saying it shouldn't be getting any more bailouts and it should be able to look after itself. I was lucky to get this one. Lucky to get this one. I think COVID-19 helped the empathy factor. As one expert put it, this has created the perfect storm. We can't gild the lily. It's taking the industry to the brink of insolvency. It's a matter of urgency for the government to provide support. And we have to protect what we have, and we have to rebuild for the future. 
There's a lot of debate on on how it got to the position that it was um, was asking the government to save it from dying. But this was nothing new. For years, the industry's been suffering from shrinking gambling revenues, too many race courses, poor prize money, high-profile scandals, and really, a society with changing tastes. Things came to a head in 2018 when a report by Australian racing leader John Massara warned the industry was on the brink. They used to say that New Zealand is all about rugby, racing and beer. Well, it's very much still rugby, beer, yes, although less of it. And racing, well, huge changes ahead. We still have our provincial racetracks. Does anyone go to them? What about the TAB? Winston Peters has commissioned a review by Australian stud owner John Massara to review the New Zealand racing industry, which has been apparently in an ailing state in the past 10 years. And it recommended cutting back the number of tracks from 48 to 28. The report also says the TAB's commercial activities should be run by an international operator. And that's the report that found that trainers and owners faced a collective deficit of $154 million. Winston Peters and um, I guess the game generally asked for advice on how to save it and the report was um, put in play as a template or strategy to realign racing uh, and future-proof it not make the mistakes that it had been making in the past and this was how you could do it. I think reports uh, dating back to the 70s have been saying the same thing with the industry ignoring them. Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in a minute, but I really want to go back to basics. What is the industry made up of? Because it's not just this week, Cup Week, about people going to the races and having a bet on the horses and having a few drinks. It is much, much bigger than that. Yeah, it's made up of, you know, initially the horses, the people that breed and race the horses, the fans that that bet on the horses and go and watch the horses, the stables that train the horses, the people that, you know, everything from mucking out the the horse dung um, and feeding them to riding them at the races, at the trials. Um, it's transport, gets them from A to B. It's obviously the, you know, part of the farming community, I suppose. They need to be fed, housed, up to about 30,000 people employed. It is a big industry, but mm. it's, it fails to, I think, overall pay the right people. How does it make its money? Betting and vested interest um, investment, I suppose. You know, people who are sales companies, stud farms, people who love breeding horses, love competing in the sport. A lot of those, you know, it's not hasn't been called the sport of kings for no reason over the last centuries. It's a lot of, a lot of uh, rich people or well-off people. Um, it's their you know, leisure of choice, and they have a lot of money. Uh, But generally speaking, it's the betting on the races Monday through Sunday these days that that funds it. So a week like Cup Week this week, how important is that to the industry? It's payday for, you know, the clubs that run the Cup Weeks, the Canterbury Jockey Clubs, the New Zealand Metropolitan Trotting Club. It's their big payday. It's It's the week, the meetings that generally pay for all of the others. It's the profit margin. It's the one where they um, they clip the ticket on, and it's very lucrative. And, and, you know, even though it's restricted this year because of the uh, COVID restrictions that were projected by, say, the um, 
New Zealand Met, they're having uh, you know a, a limit of 12,000 people go, whereas normally they would have 25,000 up to go, it will still be a lucrative day. Right, so absolutely essential. But I think you, after that report came out in 2018, you had quite a bit to say about it. I mean, you said that the racing industry has had its head in the sand, way too many tracks, and yep. we need a lot more gambling to keep it going. So... What we need more gambling than we as New Zealanders want to do. Well, it's a funny thing to say we need to be a bit more like the Australians and gamble more. I mean, not just a flutter, you said at the time, but a, a punt. So, really, do we all need to get out there and gamble more to keep this industry Well, I don't going? think that's the case. I think at the time I said that, and this has been going on for probably the last decade, is that the industry has been trying to copy and paste what works in Australia and at the time I said New Zealanders aren't Australians in terms of betting, we will have a flutter, whereas Australians will punt on two flies walking up the wall. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a different beast, and so trying to force us, New Zealanders, into punting as much as, say, Australians do is a, is a flawed equation. Masara pointed out we just haven't got the scale. Mm. We haven't got the number of race meetings. We haven't got the number of people. We haven't got the number of people who want to bet on horses. So we have to team up with Australia. We're lucky to have Australia as um, you know, a racing semi-fanatical population right next door. Um, that we are a feeder into that. Uh, we bounce off of that. We can't compete with that. And so trying to turn New Zealand racing into Australian racing is a flawed ideal. We've had enough of mostly old men leaning against the rails scratching their derriere and blaming everyone else. Fortunately, common sense is now prevailing, and most in the industry accept collaboration is the key to recovery. I still think there is a, a, a good racing industry that's possible, that employs people, that provides entertainment to people. Uh, it's in an environment now when there are many more choices for people's entertainment, and so they'll need to continue to evolve and adapt. Um, I'm a person who understands the importance to a lot of different communities of, of the racing uh, sector. So, uh, you know, I hope it to be a, a, a sector that runs well, employs people and provides entertainment. That's Grant Robertson there with his initial thoughts on the racing industry now that he's taken the reins and has planned to continue the reforms started by his predecessor, Peters. They include an overhaul of the sports betting agency, the TAB, and new rules around the offshore online gambling sector to ensure New Zealand benefits from gambling that's done here. Closing tracks and bringing others up to scratch was also recommended in the Masara report to make race events more viable because one of the problems is the poor prize money. Prize money, for sure, you know, has to, has to increase. I mean, a lot of good trainers, Cambridge trainers, if they get a decent horse, they go straight across to Australia. It's the owners who feel sorry for because it's, it's an expensive game and, and we're running for just about the same money we were running for 30-something years ago. We all know that our stakes aren't uh, where we need them to be to be uh, giving returns to owners. Just this week, a proposal to create a racing super club was revealed by merging the Auckland and Counties Racing Clubs that would see an upgraded Ellerslie racetrack holding 40 meets per year. The proposal would also see the average stake level per race double to around $100,000. In a letter to members, the clubs insisted the status quo was not sustainable. It's just what we dream about. That's what we need. And, and if that happens, then we're just away laughing. In agreement with that plan is Sir Peter Valor. He's the head of the thoroughbred auction house New Zealand Bloodstock and Pencaro Stud. He's also part of a group working with the government on the reforms. So 
What about the other race courses targeted in the Masara report? Well, it's complicated. It's quite a difficult part of it, Sharon, because those tracks that have been referred to, there would have been general consensus that, yes, it's time to look at them and, and either consolidate or do something. But the people in, who were representing those tracks on behalf of their founding fathers and things, they were entitled to the consultative process, mm. which which they would have would have got in the fullness of time. Short answer to your question, yes, the infrastructure badly needs to be tidied up. We've got more race courses uh, here than we need by, you know, probably 30 or 40 courses. But it's, it, it's difficult to change people's sense of entitlement to, of having a racetrack on the street corner of every village. Yes. We, know, we know we can't do it anymore. Looking at the reforms that have been underway, they're not really targeted at the breeders, are they? It's more targeted at the TAB and the events. You're correct, but it is a little bit of a chicken and egg. It is targeted at the breeders because the breeders are desperate for the racing industry to improve, to attract more people, more players, for stakes to go up and so on. Because the number of foals we breed each year depends entirely on how many people we can attract to, to A, breed a mare, then B, sell the foal, and then C, find someone to buy the, the foal. Mm. So they are closely, closely related. And there's only one thing that funds racing is revenue from wagering. So the, the TAB becomes integral to the entire process. And um, and that's one of the changes that's come through the Masara report has been that the TAB's function now is wholly and solely to generate the most revenue they can from wagering without losing sight of animal welfare and uh, all, all the other the AML requirements imposed on them and, and people welfare. Yeah. So if you can't drive revenue, you... We're no show to do anything. And as you say, the TAB is going through change at the moment but has been set back by coronavirus. It certainly is. And if you look at our sort of key days that tell us how we're tracking along, Melbourne Cup last week, we had an all-time record in terms of people's participation, the number of bets placed, the amount of cross-betting revenue generated, Total turnover was something like 26 million for the day, which was close to 20% higher than ever before. Betting on the race itself was over 11 million. So that was a wonderful turnaround for the day in itself. Encourages all of us that the fundamentals are sound now. We've turned the corner, and there is still a great deal, a great number of people out there that derive a lot of pleasure from the entire process. It's a difficult industry because it encompasses so many different aspects and people and so on. How bad were things on the bloodstock side, on the breeding side? Were you as badly affected as, say, the betting side and the fact that th there was no racing going on because of coronavirus? I mean, did that affect the auctions and the breeding, that kind of thing? It certainly made us all very apprehensive. Fortuitously... Our, our income stream comes, basically we have a yearling sale 
in January, where where everybody tries to sell the yearlings that they wish to sell. Then uh, in May we have a, a sale of um, broodmares and things like that to tidy up and uh, buy some some new breeding bloodstock. And then in uh, November uh, we have our ready to run sale. So at the moment, whilst we've been in turmoil and the whole world has, uh, everything's gone virtual. Fortunately, we were one of the first companies that had a platform whereby we can sell in the absence of people with uh, internet and things like that. Our true test is going to come at the end of January when we have our national yearling sales. If our borders are still shut, you know, we are going to be in a fair degree of difficulty. And that's that's when the moment of economic truth will come for the breeders in the country. We think that we are pretty well organised, providing New Zealanders can be on site. Whether we've been able to encourage enough breeders to send their mares to stud this year, we won't know until we see some numbers in January, February, with how many foals we're likely to have for, for next year. We're out of the gate, but we have a distance to cover before we get to the home straight and the winning post. That said, we are going to make racing great again. I think it needs to boutique itself down a wee bit. Um, you know, the thing is with horse racing, New Zealand's really good at it, thoroughbreds or harness racing. You know, we, we have great horses, we have great trainers. You know, we need to recognise that, invest in that, recognise that New Zealand on the, is probably a provider for other parts of the world in terms of horse flesh and people, and that New Zealand as a racing industry is a supplier to the world product, having a little boutique racing industry on the side amongst itself and rebuild it as that boutique racing industry and you have to recognise what that means. That means, you know, for the thoroughbreds you have Waikato and Auckland. That's the place where it will thrive, mainly. Not only, but mainly. For harness racing you probably have Canterbury and Southland. You put your template and structures in place so that those are the places where the investment takes place, whether it's racetracks, people, horses, and work from there. And that means not a track every five minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, not a race meeting every single day in New Zealand. Projecting it on television is an exciting sport rather than just a gambling option. We've had two deputy prime ministers in a row uh, that have become the racing minister. You know, the ball's now in our court. To see through these reforms. To uh, accept the recommendations enthusiastically, see the reform through. We're already seeing it happening. We've taken uh, significant costs out of the operating systems and getting the people back onto the course and, and wagering. It's been doom and gloom for good reason, but we've now got enough to hope about. We have a comparative advantage against the rest of the world and the grass we grow, the quality of the horse that eats the grass and the the people that work with the animals and and we're as good as anyone in the world at it. And if we just keep growing on the good things, we'll get it back to 10, 15,000 folds a year instead of uh, three and a half. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Sir Peter Valor and Sheldon Murtha. Mā te wā.